0: We've said on this podcast a few times before, doing effective telehealth is much more than just spinning up a Zoom call or picking up the phone and speaking with a patient. Sure, that's a good start, but really, all we're doing there is just replicating what happens in a consult in a bricks and mortar clinic, but just trying to do it virtually. So what's missing from that picture is all the monitoring that goes on, all the Insights that a clinician needs in order to make an informed decision or provide advice to a patient or even make a diagnosis. So things like their blood pressure, blood glucose, observations like weight and temperature, oxygen saturation. I said oxygen like an idiot. Oxygen saturation levels. With more virtual care and telemedicine going on, having all these indications provided to a clinician in a way they can rely on is critical. So in this episode today, we're going to explore this world of using Bluetooth-connected devices in remote monitoring for patients. I'm talking with Craig Simmons from Papel, the distributors of iHealth in Australia. And in this chat, we're going to cover the rise and acceptance of connected health devices for patient monitoring and how remote patient monitoring is keeping people at home and reducing avoidable hospitalization and a lot more too. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Craig Simmons, CEO and founder of Propel, who distribute iHealth in Australia, the global leader in consumer focused mobile health devices. Which are used across hospitals, PhNs, and pharmacies across Australia to help patients better manage chronic disease. Hey Craig, how
1: you doing? Great to chat.
0: Good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Be good to understand a little bit more about you and your story, buddy. Tell us a bit more about Craig.
1: Thanks, Pete. I used to be a lady shoe designer about 20 years ago, which is a little bit odd, but I used to travel the world and try and understand trends and where things were going in in the ladies footwear business. And I did that for a number of years and I was really passionate about the product design side. And I left that after a number of years of being in the footwear industry and I got into the pharmacy industry. And I end up running a uh, health business doing health information on touchscreens in the pharmacy and really love that health side of it because I could really see how it could actually make a difference. You can make a difference in footwear, but slightly different in healthcare. I love beautiful design. I always saw the chronic disease area was such a boring staid area that hadn't changed in so many years. Mm. And um, I remember I was at an overseas trade show and I saw this little stand called iHealth. This is about eight years ago, and I just thought, oh my god, this is a game changer because it was just some blood pressure monitors that linked to your mobile phone, and they had beautiful packaging. And I said to them, "What are they doing in Australia?" And they said nothing, and I pitched to them to bring iHealth to Australia. They said yes. They had no idea who I was, and so I launched iHealth in Australia. So this is really we were starting using mobile phones, which is only well seven years ago now, which is only a short time ago. And then I loved iHealth so much and I saw the opportunity so much. I left the company that I was running, set up my own business, Propel, just to do iHealth. And that was now six years ago. I always wanted to make sure that iHealth is the brand that people come to when they want to connect a device that link to their phone. And we're into remote patient monitoring and anything to do with chronic disease monitoring and making it better for, for people to monitor themselves.
0: Love it. What a story and and a few transitions along the (laughs) way to get you to this point. But I can see what you mean about the whole connection with the design piece and having that front and center. So that gives you a really unique and cool perspective. And for those that aren't familiar with iHealth and those products, tell us a bit more about the actual product.
1: Yeah. So iHealth was the first company in the world to produce a wireless blood pressure monitor that linked to Apple. So we were the first Bluetooth connected device ever. We started with a blood pressure monitor So this is in 2011, and now we do... So everything we do is connected. So it's blood pressure monitors, it's pulse oximeters, it's blood glucose monitors, it's scales, and now it's even thermometers as well. So we do the whole chronic disease monitoring device that link to Apple and Android.
0: Cool. And so I've been into an Apple store or done a Google search and seen a lot of kind of widgets and things that claim to do some pretty nifty stuff. I mean, how do you provide confidence to patients and clinicians that this is the real deal?
1: First of all, all the devices are TGA approved except for the scales. So I've done a lot of work and spent a lot of money making sure that we are TGR approved. We're FDA in the US, we're CE in Europe and TJ here. So that's really critical. I only bring products to Australia, which I know are clinically validated. And that's where iHealth Health are very much top of the tree. And we can't bring the iHealth devices to Australia unless I get TGR approval. And because we've been, you know, we come out of Apple, that's our heritage. Mm. So everything we do is about beautiful design, user experience, but also it's about value. There's some really expensive devices out there, some really cool devices, but they're really expensive. And a hospital can't spend $500 on a connected pulse oximeter, but they can spend $100 on it and get it out to thousands of people. So what I found is because of our clinical validation, because of our TGI approval, and because our devices are just so much easier to use than most of the other devices on the market, that's why particularly hospitals and PHNs are moving to iHealth.
0: And that's interesting. So you mentioned, you know, hospitals might acquire many devices and then send those out. I assume it's to do with, you know, this increasing need for hospitals to do more remote patient monitoring. Why are these devices, Bluetooth health devices so critical for patients yep. and clinicians?
1: Last year Right at the start of COVID in March, Sydney Local Health District, or RPA Virtual, started ordering our devices, iHealth devices, because they connect through to their monitoring platform. So RPA Virtual have their own monitoring platform, which have multiple screens and dashboards. And they chose iHealth because they could take the data from our devices, from a patient being at home, straight into their portal. And it's, that's where it really started. It, the devices are important, but the most important part is the actual, the integration piece. So it's how the data goes from our devices into RPA Virtual's platform or to anyone else's platform. And that's what's really started it. And RPA Virtual was very much at the forefront of this. In fact, they were going down this path way before COVID ever hit because they knew that they had to keep people at home. COVID has accelerated this enormously. Just this morning, Pete, I've had two hospitals call me wanting more pulse oximeters and thermometers. Mm. And I know that'll integrate into their platforms. So they don't want devices that don't connect anymore. They don't want manual entry. They want to give it to a patient at home. The patient does their oxygen saturation and they know that data goes straight into the hospital's portal. It's done. It's seamless.
0: And that's really interesting. There's a lot of, not just hospitals, but healthcare companies. They've got their own, I guess, not just systems, but monitoring solutions and other bits and pieces. How do you go about making sure that you can integrate or connect with all of those types of things?
1: We want to make it as easy as possible. That's the key thing. I get calls from lots of different companies wanting to integrate. We have APIs and SDK. We can do it through that way. We also do it through a Data Aggregator, a Company company we use in the U.S., And that's really important. So there's different ways to take the data from the iHealth devices and put it straight into someone's app and platform. Mm -hmm. So we've got the smarts and the technology to be able to make it as easy as possible to integrate.
0: You know, we've seen with COVID, obviously, over the past 18, 24 months or however long it's been, an eternity it feels like, but the uh, increasing acceptance and adoption of remote monitoring and, and using devices, and we've talked a bit on the show about this broad concept of telehealth being... You know, if it's going to be done well, it's much more than just connecting with a patient over Zoom or a a purpose-built product or even just a telephone. And we talk about it a lot, but have you got any data? Like, what's the acceptance like in terms of using devices for remote monitoring these
1: days? It's changed over the last 18 months. I mean, I started iHealth, as I said, about seven years ago. For four and a half years, it was a real struggle. Because people go, well, they're just devices. I always knew otherwise, I mean, particularly the pulse oximeter, because I knew it's such a critical device because it measures oxygen saturation. Particularly on the, say, the PHNs and the hospital side, everyone's been very much into these really clunky hospital-grade devices. The switch has been, and then it's driven through, really through Apple and then, you know, the Samsungs, is they've made everything focus on the consumer. So everything we do, it's actually not about the clinician, it's about the patient. And, you know, in the healthcare industry, we've always been talking about patient-focused or consumer-focused. Well, what that means is we've got to change the behaviour from driving from the clinician to the patient. The patient drives their monitoring, and then the clinician comes on board with it. Traditionally, it's always been the other way around. Because these are consumer devices, you can buy them from a pharmacy, you can buy them on Amazon, you can buy them on, on any online store. People can buy them straight away. They can download the app. They can connect it straight away. So there's a, been a mindset change from people thinking this is a hospital grade. Well, hospitals can they use consumer grade. And that's the big change that's really driven this. And what it means is we can now get multiple types of devices out to cover all the different types of chronic disease. And look, there's lots of platforms out there. But if a patient can't measure, their if you're doing a teleconsult, a doctor can't see someone's blood pressure without a blood pressure monitor. They can't do the oxygen saturation without a pulse oximeter. They can't do the glucose without a glucose monitor. So the devices are actually a really critical part of any telehealth solution or any type of monitoring solution because you need the vital signs and then you need where does that data go and how do you analyse it?
0: Has there been any barriers in terms of adopting these solutions? The first thing that comes to mind for me is funding and doctors not receiving, like, I don't get paid for this, so why should yeah. I do it? I'm like, Do these type of things come up or is it something else?
1: No, you're, you're spot on. I think you've always got to find the funder, and without the funder, nothing exists. I mean, I've been doing remote monitoring from the very start. iHealth is a part of remote monitoring. That's what we do. And I have always been talking and going to LHDs and hospitals and PHNs and talking about remote monitoring for the last five years. And for most of that time, I didn't get anywhere. Murray Primary Health Network, they had started this about three years ago with another supplier. And then they actually saw the iHealth devices and saw how easy it was. And they they grabbed onto our remote patient monitoring program and used it. And they were really one of the first ones to really get on board with numbers. Um, And Murray PHN has really been one of the first. In fact, they still have probably the largest primary care remote monitoring program in the country, and that's using My Health and the remote patient monitoring program that I do. So we're across all of Northern Victoria. They took a big leap. They thought, this is the future. We've got to keep people out of hospitals. So they started it. It's taking a long time to get people to use it and see the value of it. And now they're all going, well, COVID, we're going to keep people home. We have no choice. So therefore, the funding is now going into it. And in the last, look, even the last two months, the pulse oximeters, for instance, New South Wales Health has ordered over 8,000 pulse oximeters. That's all going into remote monitoring. So the funding is there once they see the benefits.
0: Yeah. And so the pulse oximeter is being purchased primarily for COVID patients, I assume. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, whether it's Southwest Sydney LHD or Sydney LHD, Northern Sydney LHD, even the prison system are using the pulse oximeters. So they're providing the pulse oximeter to the patient who's got COVID They'll continue to monitor them. That goes through to a monitoring platform uh, and then on their app, then the clinician can see the alert. So if they get under 93%, the hospital will get an alert and then they can get them to hospital. So it's such a simple device, the pulse oximeter, but it's changed the way that the hospitals are monitoring COVID patients. Yeah.
0: Like you wouldn't do it another way. You wouldn't get a patient to write it down and send it or send it in via something. It just doesn't work like that. uh,
1: But that's what everyone's been doing forever. And now they're going, oh, my God, now we can do it so much simpler and quicker. Uh, And look, just this morning, one of the hospitals that rang me said, oh, look, we're going to use this for telehealth because we're going to need many more because that's the way it's going.
0: So what's your view on what it looks like post-COVID, whatever that looks like, but you've got a lot of other, you know, solutions and products and monitoring devices there. What's that going to look like post-COVID?
1: I actually think it's going to be stronger than what it is now. I mean, we've got a flurry of people needing devices for COVID patients. But I think post-COVID, and let's say we're talking next year, 2022, Mm. this will be embedded into the way the hospitals monitor their patients and also for PHNs as well, because we'll say, all right, well, we can no longer wait for people to come to hospital. There won't be the number of beds available. The, The hospitals won't be built in time. To have more beds so we've got to say the only way to do this is we've got to be keeping them at home and monitoring them remotely particularly for those long-term chronic disease so like chronic heart failure diabetes to an extent and respiratory so i am actually expecting as we're now with covid said we accept that remote monitoring is what we have to do so now we build it into our standard model of care mm.
0: you know we've got a growing older population and that all obviously feeds the the need for increased chronic illness and all those kinds of things. So that's the flow. And there's the usual kind of dichotomy of like the older generations and then throwing more technology at them. In terms of ease of use, it sounds like that must be a relatively simple thing to use.
1: Yeah. With the Murray Primary Health Network program, we got some recent data uh, a couple of months ago and some really interesting findings, which we kind of knew, but it's always nice to get it. We found that the highest level of adherence from patients doing remote monitoring and using the eye health devices, people over the age of 80. So therefore the HealthBeats app, which is our remote monitoring, they're using the eye health devices. And so they use it more than anyone else. Then we go 60 above. The worst patient adherence was 40 and below. So I've always said the older people are always get technology and are always acceptance of it far greater than often the younger people because they're interested in their health. So age is not the barrier. I always say it's the attitude of people. And particularly if I look at some of the industry, even in pharmacy, you go into pharmacy and most of the devices there are non-connected devices. And it's because there's a mentality of people, the pharmacies also, our customers are old, they don't have phones, wrong. That clientele, I have chronic disease, so they need to monitor their blood pressure or their oxygen or their weight. They're willing to use it. They're the ones who engage in it more so than anything before. I think some of the other data that we've got out of this is the devices that people are using most of all is the pulse oximeter and blood pressure. They're the ones that they're more likely to adhere to, less so than diabetes. Diabetes is difficult anyway, but we're finding out the patient adherence rates are much higher with blood pressure and pulse oximeter, which is a really good sign.
0: Well, you think about it too. I guess, like you say, they've got chronic disease, they're used to monitoring and the need to monitor and generally will want to take an active involvement in that. Um, so, yeah, I can see how that would be used regularly compared to, say, technology for the purpose of taking more information from them to aggregate it into yeah. some kind of sales engine. You know, it's, it's all about the drivers and the what's in it for them. And I, uh, I think that's, that's providing it back. But yeah.
1: I mean, that's actually a really important point because we're not collecting data for data's sake. What we're doing is we're trying to help someone understand what their blood pressure is or what their weight is. All we're focused on is how do we help understand their readings so they can take control of them. That's the critical point. And I think that's a really big switch where it's not about the number of users or anything like that. I wouldn't have a clue. I've over all these years, I've had no idea how many users I've got there or any of the data, but I do know that I've helped tens and tens of thousands of people with chronic disease.
0: How good's that? Hey. Look, thinking then about the future and some of the things that might happen and more things to mm. monitor, what does that look like for you over the next 6, 12, 24?
1: Yeah, so the beauty about eye health and this space is there's not lots of changes, but when it changes or when something new comes in, it is a game changer. Currently, and I'll get this TGR approved hopefully in the next week, I've got a Bluetooth thermometer. Now, I've been doing thermometers for a while, they're a manual device. You'd think a Bluetooth connected thermometer would be out there, but it's not. So we're about to to launch a Bluetooth connected thermometer, which just means when someone's measuring the temperature, it'll go straight through into their monitoring platform, which makes it so much easier for a hospital to monitor temperature. So we've got that, I mean, I always think that's a simple device, but the amount of demand I've got for that is significant. We've got a uh, an ECG monitor, uh, which will launch early in 2022 and that's a connected device. So all the data will be able to download and a cardiologist we'll be able to see that all that data remotely. The other thing we've got is an ambulatory blood pressure monitor. So one of the challenges for monitoring blood pressure over 24 hours when a doctor wants to see a much more in-depth understanding of someone's blood pressure is the current devices are really bulky and they're not easy for the customer or the patient to wear overnight. They've got cords everywhere and they're bulky. Whereas ours, once again, we come out of Apple, so everything we do has got to look good, it's got to be comfortable, it's got to be really well-designed. So our new ambulatory blood pressure monitor just actually looks like our any, our, any of our blood pressure monitors. And that data will go straight through to an app. And once again, the doctor will be able to see 24 hours. And the great thing about this, we are a disruptor in the industry. It's also about price. So ambulatory blood pressure monitors is $3,000 plus, will be $700. So we'll be significantly lower What we're also really good at with iHealth is we'll take a normal device, we'll make it Bluetooth, and then also we'll make sure that it's probably cheaper than your non-connected device, which means we can help as many people as possible.
0: Yeah, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Mate, we're gonna have to do a like a live stream or some point in the future because I can see the devices back there, but that's useless <laughs> on a podcast. And that's I'm sure there's some plenty of cool stuff that you could show us. so we'll have to do that in the future. But in the meantime, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, I'll put the details for Propel and iHealth in the show notes of this episode and we'll keep the conversation going in the Talking Health Tech community as well, as you remember there. So look, Craig, I really appreciate you making the time. Good luck with all the demand at the moment and thank you so much for joining.
1: Thanks, babe. Appreciate it.